Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfold, and thank you for listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of entrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by John Lowen. He's the co-founder of Surfside, a direct-to-consumer marketing firm whose mission is to build an ecosystem of products that make consumer acquisition smarter, faster, and more engaging for modern brands. Uh, how are you doing this afternoon, John? Doing great. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, you know, as, as many of my listeners know, I'm actually a media studies professor. Uh, I, have a, I have a master's degree in communications, which includes a lot of sort of marketing stuff. Uh, so, so this sort of uh, what you do is, is in my wheelhouse a bit. Um, but before we get into what you do, tell me about yourself, your background and how you ended up in the cannabis space. Yeah, definitely. So um, I always thought that I would be a doctor and then I switched to thinking I'd be in banking and then the banking industry fell out right around when I was coming out of school and I ended up at a at an ad tech company where we were focused on buying and selling ad inventory for hunting and fishing websites. We call it a hook and bullet. Um, and so <laughs> got, that was my kind of entry into ad tech and uh, working at a small startup became kind of my, you know, where I, my MO and my interest and where I really saw kind of uh, the ability to build companies and build products was really interesting to me. And so I've ever since kind of been in the ad tech space and uh, working at small companies, helping them grow. Um, the la- the, our latest foray was we, um, after the, the ad network business came along and programmatic kind of made those businesses a little bit more difficult, we ended up uh, starting a location-based uh, mobile company, so using location data to, to to find targeted or to better indicate intent. So ultimately, how can someone's movement patterns or location um, that is being passed from their cell phones help you better identify users from an advertising perspective? And from there, I met my co-founder, and um, we started Surfside. And the genesis of Surfside ultimately was how can we take things beyond location? So location was a great signal for us as, you know, the places you go, the places you visit is a great, like I said, that great indicator of intent, but we wanted to know more about the consumer. And so we wanted to be able to um, bring in purchase data and behavioral data and psychographic data. And we found that a lot of the businesses that we were working with wanted to be able to better monetize or activate their customer data, the data that they readily had access to. They didn't feel like they were getting the value out of it. And so our mission was ultimately to start a company where we could work directly with brands, retailers, uh, medium to small size businesses, just as much as the Fortune 500 and be able to offer this suite of services so that they could better action and take advantage of their customer data to make better business and marketing decisions. And cannabis came along as one of our first clients. We had a a former board member at one of our companies who entered the cannabis space and was looking for an edge in the marketing and uh, data collection. And um, we started working with this company, this who ultimately is an MSO now. And we got really interested in the space and we saw that oddly enough that the marketing was kind of limited to ad networks, you know, something that I had done early on in my career and, you know, had seen how that technology has progressed over time. And we saw a really clear path for what we were building around consumer identity and the ability to be very granular with our targeting using location data. It really hit all kind of the the boxes when we talk about 
uh, fulfilling and maintaining compliance and helping cannabis companies um, actually advertise at the scale that they've been lacking and targeting the right consumers rather than just targeting contextually relevant websites. And so uh, Surfside was born and um, well, the tech was born and we kind of pivoted and started focusing really solely on the cannabis space to be able to prove out the efficacy of the technology that we had built um, or had been building. So, you know, you mentioned that, 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 that the space lacks, you know, a lot of that sort of that, that marketing ability that, that a lot of other, I guess, normalized industries do have. Um, so why don't you explain briefly, you know, some of the differences, both policy and sort of actual uh, between marketing cannabis, right, hemp products and the ancillary businesses that serve the industry? Yeah, I would say that, like, as, as far as the lacking of technology, it's, it's not out of a, a function of um, the technology is not there. It's a function of the people who kind of control the reins of that technology or that inventory um, are not interested in the risk of working or allowing those type of brands or advertisers to use their, their software or use or have access to their inventory. And so um, the early days was very much finding, um, finding inventory partners that were willing to accept CBD THC advertisers or even the ancillary businesses. And so once you kind of solve for um, the inventory supply, which was kind of, you know, being, having been in the industry and been uh, working with these vendors and inventory suppliers for a long time, we kind of had a leg up as far as the, our ability to uh, have a, a prior relationship with them and, you know, being trusted allies um, with these different companies. And so that gave us kind of a, an inroad to prove out that these are quality companies there, um, everything is going to be um, compliant as it pertains to the different legislation at a state by state or local level. And once you kind of provide that confidence and that trust, um, a lot of technology and a lot of capabilities really open up to you. And you could start using and we started building out really differentiated tech, not only for cannabis, but um, that's actually differentiated in other verticals as well. And um, we start to see, we're starting to see actually some really unique things happening in the vertical that um, and when we talk to our partners and other software vendors that we're integrated with, how they might be looking at other verticals because what they're doing is unique because the complexity, the complexity and the nature of this business um, has kind of borne some really cool things and some cool technology that, that might bear fruits in other industries. And, and you mentioned sort of the, the policy differences, you know, you and I are both in New York where we have medical cannabis and there's, you know, as far as I can tell, there, there's no uh, advertising of cannabis businesses allowed. However, uh, when you drive on the thruway going towards uh, Massachusetts and Albany, you definitely see on the billboards, you know, uh, advertisements for can of provisions, let's say, uh, for dispensaries over the border. Um, so, so how, you know, I, there's obviously a learning curve, right? How, how do you navigate the various marketing restrictions on cannabis uh, from state to state? Yeah. So um, the, for the first thing is like, we kind of bucket compliance um, in, in three different categories, uh, creative placement and targeting. So every, every, and, and to kind of answer more directly, it's, you know, it's for us, it's, you know, we have intimate knowledge of all the different policies um, as things are changing, you know, we're getting notifications and updates and um, constantly managing like kind of legislation um, as it pertains to the marketing and what we can and cannot do or can and cannot say. Um, but back to kind of those three different categories, it's, you know, making sure that the creative is compliant, um, 
and making sure that you know when we're delivering an ad, um, every operator is going to be licensed in specific states. So ensuring that those ads only are being delivered in areas where they're licensed. And then from kind of the targeting and placement perspective, placement, I mean, I kind of discussed before, it's you know ensuring that the inventory that you're delivering is going to be over-indexing for 21 plus. There's kind of different percentages that those uh, sites need to obtain in order to be um, uh, qualified as compliant. And then for us, we find uh, that people what people really don't talk about is the fact that targeting is, is a little bit more unique in that, you know, solving for creative, being able to understand whether or not, you know, your designers putting in the right messaging and saying um, the, and not targeting certain, making certain health claims or targeting minors. Um, a lot of that is very controllable um, in your hands as far as like a design perspective and understanding where your ads are being placed. You also have pretty um, direct control over when you're talking about specific billboards or uh, buying different websites or mobile apps. Um, but when it comes to targeting, um, ensuring that your ads are being delivered in the proper location, maintaining them within state lines, and then being able to ensure that you're not targeting schools or public transit shelters and other areas that are kind of blacklisted or not allowed um, as it pertains to the targeting aspect of the, the compliance um, and re regulations. Um, that kind of stuff, it, it takes a little bit more know-withal and a little bit more expertise as far as being able to understand fraud, location data, uh, making sure that the data that you're receiving is is relevant and accurate and precise, and that comes into like our past experience and being able to be kind of one of the experts in the in the location data field to make sure that the targeting is just as important as the kind of things that you will do at the onset of a campaign before it launches. So you know, you talk about all this data that 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 you use to to drive these sort of campaigns. Where do, where does that data actually come from? And and you know, of the you know probably swath of data that you get, what data are you looking for? And and how how do you actually leverage that? Yeah. So for us, we we wanted to move beyond um, the standard kind of available um, information that kind of is licensed out or sold or um, you know something that might be a little bit more readily available um, to all players in the space. Um, so for us, we wanted to be very, we wanted to be very in tune and have the most intelligent, the most complete data set as it pertains to the cannabis consumer. And in order to do that, that meant integrating with companies and platforms and businesses that had really good relationships with the consumer. And so purchase data at the consumer level. And we have a number of different partnerships with POS systems, e-commerce platforms, uh, marketplace, um, specific brands, websites, and et cetera, so that we understand there are these offline behaviors um, of the cannabis consumer and the online behaviors, and we bridge that gap and tie it back to this all anonymized, privacy compliant, taking into account CCPA and PII and HIPAA, um, all these different regulations so that when someone comes to us and wants to understand not only people who maybe recently visited a dispensary, but maybe specifically, I want to target people who have an average basket size of over $150 and are buying edibles in the California market. And so like categorizing people by product category, um, consumption method, um, symptoms that they're looking to treat, um, all in a compliant fashion gives you this really granular way to build out these audiences. And by tying to these different um, purchase points, 
it makes it really easy for dispensaries and brands to utilize existing software that they've implemented and be able to activate these learnings and these insights for their own business and media purposes. So is there any data that, that you have access to that you choose not to use uh, for, you know, sort of marketing purposes? And, and if so, you know, why not? And if, and if not, why? So there's, there's um, a number of, of current and incoming kind of privacy and consumer um, uh, regulations that come into play. Like cons- you look at CCPA, um, you look at um, like PHI, like any of the HIPAA, um, the HIPAA Act and anything that is considered medical record, um, some, all that data is not usable. Um, and so, in order for in order for us or in order for us to be able to use certain information, we have to obtain the consent from consumers. We're obtaining consent from the different platforms and the different dispensaries or brands that we're using for. A lot of the times, when we're working with the dispensary and they're providing us data, they want to use it for their purposes only, and it's not going to get merged or it's not going to get utilized by their competitors is ultimately their, you know, their biggest um, concern. And for us, in order to scale our business, in order to help them, like we're not trying to create a marketplace where a customer can come in and necessarily buy their competitor's data um, when it's, you know, that competitor is not in the best interest of our clients. It's not in the best interest um, for um, us to help grow their business. And so that type of data is, is not available uh, or not used. And, and then there's obviously all the regulations around um, how and when it's appropriate to use certain data based on the specificity or the, the, the legality of it. So, I mean, as you said at the top, you know, you've been in this, in this sort of marketing industry and, and you know, you started in, in, in a niche industry, right? Hunting and, and fishing, right? That's not sort of a, a mass industry. Uh, Bigger than you th- think. <laughs> well, well, as opposed to groceries. I mean, I live in the Adirondacks. I know yeah. how big the industry is, right? But, but I think that the, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, is, you know, how much has sort of the, the, the data points or, or the information that you have access to as a marketer changed uh, as, you know, data has become, right? Everyone has a cell phone. It's become a much sort of bigger uh, element, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, the phone um, in general, like consumption of your digital behaviors are growing every year and there's, they're not slowing down, you know, so by nature, there's going to be much and more, much more um, information that all these companies are going to have on users. Um, like the unpopular, unpopular kind of view is, um, the, you know, the internet's free and it's ad supported. You know, so like, do we want the internet? To, you want the content and the internet to be free? You have to kind of allow them to advertise to you and accept ads and um, what they do. Some companies do a little bit more with your data than others. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, a gray area, you know, and that's where you start seeing some of the, the CCPA come into play. Um, we're fully prepared and um, fully believe in kind of those consumer rights as well. Um, but when it comes down to the different, you know, advances like mobile, like you discussed, the mobile was, you know, that phone, that phone's with you at all times. And there's a number of different apps on that phone that are um, pinging your pinging for location and submitting and um, aggregating that to better serve you ads. And in addition to that, cannabis is really unique in that every purchase uh, more often than not requires you to provide your license and provide um, information, more information than you normally do at the point of purchase. And so it allows for, uh, 
this uh, this ability to create a more a, a better graph or better understanding of who the customer is. And from a dispensary's perspective, this is really valuable because, or and even from a brand perspective, is that because you can start personalizing and building product geared towards the interests and um, the, what your customers are valuing. And so you can start creating better user experiences. You can start creating um, betting pricing structures and better products um, that ultimately keep your customers coming back to your um, your brand or to your dispensary. So it's not um, all about kind of the, the targeting and the marketing aspect of it. It's more about like how can these this data set and this information also help with brand and product development. How, when, when you talk to dispensary owners or business owners, um, how frustrating or, or is it frustrating for them sort of the rules that are in place uh, as part of regulations? I mean, do they, do they understand them or, or, you know, is it sort of one of those, like, I, I can't believe that, that we don't have access to sort of traditional services? Um, I think that, and I think that even, um, like in March, March and April, we've seen that the, there's pretty heavy swings and trends um, in the industry and demand fluctuates. And to, to date, um, there, hasn't, there hasn't been a huge like, oh, man, I really wish we had these different technologies or capabilities. Um, I think that it's, time, it's coming to a point where um, more so now that we are beginning to see a lot of um, companies in the space trying to differentiate their marketing and get access to these new different technologies in order to expand their user base and to start, you know, start being able to um, move away from the email marketing and the SMS, like the loyalty programs and the retention strategies that existed. Um, so it's, it's definitely being a, a bigger push we've noticed in the last six months um, to, to get into this customer acquisition and, and like even specifically with COVID, um, the brands who primarily were using bud tenders and dispensaries to educate and inform and reach consumers, they now, with that kind of um, in-store pickup not being as as required as it used to be, and you start having states with delivery and curbside pickup, the brands are are now realizing that it's it's necessary to own that consumer relationship. And so being able to communicate directly with the consumer and handle that education is now a big push for them. And using these different technologies is, is going to be key to that. So I want to talk to you sort of about uh, Facebook real quick. Um, you know, it's the largest social network. It, you know, virtually everyone has a Facebook account. And recently they updated uh, their policies to allow for, quote, verified cannabis companies uh, to advertise, uh, you know, sort of simple, you know, uh, uh, advertising. Uh, have those, in your, in your sort of expert opinion, have those guidelines that they've sort of offered for these verified cannabis companies, have those been effective to sort of changing uh, the, the playing field a bit? And, and how can a company best utilize that platform uh, if if they choose to use social media as, as as a marketing medium yeah so facebook google obviously the you know the biggest the most common question we get um we are we personally don't um manage like uh, those if someone's running seo or running social campaigns um we personally don't we personally don't manage those campaigns or those um, tactics for them. More often than not, that's handled like internally or like a specialist group. Uh, so for us, um, our involvement, I always recommend it. You know, ultimately 
you want to have a full funnel and a full media mix when it comes to your exposure and reaching clients. And if people are spending time on Facebook and Instagram or certain properties, then you want to be where they're spending their time. Um, for us, it's, it says you want, if they're spending 50% of their time on Facebook and 50% of their time on um, every other app or website, that's kind of the split between where we would execute on everywhere else. And then there's companies and we manage a, a couple of Facebook campaigns, not primary to us, our, our core kind of core to our capabilities. But when, when we do, um, we've always known that these are going to start opening up and these are going to be channels that dollars are going to flow to. It's just natural and it's inevitable. And so when we started the business, it wasn't that we wanted to create a product or create a solution to compete with Facebook. We wanted to create a product and a solution that worked with them. Um, and so how can we work with all media providers and all websites and all different um, kind of what we would call endpoints or destinations for where media can be delivered. And that was around our concept of knowing the cannabis consumer so that when you go into Facebook and you run a campaign, you're, you can start utilizing these audiences or these insights to better reach the known consumer. So if you go into Facebook, they're not going to necessarily have a, an audience or an interest group for you that's California um, edible buyers, you know? And so being having either your first party data or allowing us to help you activate that data in the platform for you um, gives people um, more of a targeted audience rather than reaching the billions of people on Facebook. They can sub-segment and create more specific and relevant um, targeted campaigns through um, connections and platforms like Surfside. So is, is you know, you, you have all, you, you know, you're sort of the, the, the key holder to, to uh, some questions that, that I do have about sort of the, that average cannabis consumer that you keep referring to. Um, is it, you know, people... 18, well, I mean, it would be 21, you know, 21 to 36 white male is, is that, you know, that demographic as, 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 as much purported. So off, off the top of my head, I, I don't, uh, I don't have a, an answer on the specifics of like, who is the cannabis consumer? What I would say is that when you look at demographic data in general, it's important to look at it normalized or indexed against the average consumer. And so if an audience or um, any population is, um, is going to be larger, then in turn, like for instance, people always ask me, um, is the, the data sets that you have, is it primarily California? Well, it's not primarily California, but we have a lot of more data than any other state in California just because that's where most of the sales are. You know, that's the biggest market. And so if white males tend to be a very large proportion or percentage of the U.S., then, you know, naturally you're going to have a large proportion of that audience potentially as a segment in this business. But ultimately looking at how does that, how does that sample size or how does that population um, index against the average consumer in the U.S. is something, the, the way that we always like to look at things. And so how is your audience in California different than Massachusetts? Or how is your company, how is your business selling against certain demographics, you know, on a state by state or local level, you know, we'll always look at it against the baseline. So you can really understand proportions versus indices. Very fascinating stuff. Um, it's really, really great 
sort of explanation and insight there. Um, and then the other question, and you don't have the demographics in front of you, but is flour still king? You know, I mean, we, we read it all the time that, you know, flour, you know, concentrates are, are still about, you know, a third of sales uh, in most states. Um, is, is flour still sort of, you know, king, I guess? Yeah. So like, I will, I'll actually, um, two, uh, two kind of two points on that ultimately is, you know, at Surfside, we're more focused on, um, like differentiating ourselves from kind of like the BDS analytics or the headsets of the world as it pertains to kind of being like a market research company for us. It's about how can we help businesses manage and get the best use out of their data. So working with companies like that to turn it into consumer insights or providing other consumer behaviors tied to research reports or other information they may have. Um, so like when, when, when we like, that's why we, we don't like put out trend reports like um, a lot yeah. of these companies do. Um, but as far as what we continue to see, you know, flower is still, you know, a really big category. Um, and there tends to be kind of some patterns emerging as the the markets in each individual region or state mature, and, you know, and you start seeing like maybe people start in certain categories, and then certain categories will grow over time as people begin to experiment with their preferred uh, method of ingestion. And so for us, like what's really interesting is being able to see those trends. Like if we're seeing in Colorado in a more developed state that you know when flour used to be X percentage, and then over time the beverage market is growing. Or like we've seen a lot of um, like uh, dissolvables come onto the uh, marketplace, huh. and so it is, if that's going to be a function of growth, like how do we take that information and understand the consumer, like at what point in time, how many purchases, how many visits um, since they like became a, a cannabis in market consumer, does it take for them to move to these different product categories? Because then we can start using that information in order to properly market. Like so, if a company is in um, if a company like so like two dissolvables that come to mind is you have like like uh, like caliper the still water um, and then like chill and at what point in time can we start taking data from california and understanding who that audience is and then as someone goes into california or goes into uh, michigan how do we use that understanding that consumer to be able to build lookalikes and models to be able to say all right well now this flower this edible consumer is likely to be transitioning into exploring other forms of ingestion and we should start serving them the um, dissolvable products now or the packets powders you're, you're a fortune teller which we we try <laughs> um in your opinion you know we all get so so let me backtrack a little bit we i mean we all get marketing emails right we all get you know I, sms marketing right it, it's sort of a bombarding thing we have spam folders full of you know emails from any place we've ever bought anything in the last 10 years um and and it, it gets inundating right so so in your opinion you know what are the best practices for cannabis uh, marketing uh to consumers right without the sort of the, the negativity that it, I think ends up spawning for everybody over time, um, you know, of the sort of inundation. I mean, the first thing I would say is do what you is ultimately, um, we always, I would say follow the numbers, you know, so if you're seeing drop off rates or you're seeing unsubscribes, it's not necessarily about the open rates, you know, everyone's going to op- 
more often like there was a stat that 99% of 99.99% of people are opening your SMS, but are they huh. doing anything with it? You know, like that, like when SMS and MMS messaging started, like ever you were forced to open it to delete it, you know? So yeah, um, it's, it's kind of a, an interesting stat, but ultimately like looking at those secondary metrics, are they driving sales? Are they driving visitation? Um, so don't, don't continue to do something that doesn't isn't working and making sure you have that measurement and those metrics set up so you're able to drive um, intelligent decisions make those data driven decisions but then at the same time like a lot of a lot of these approaches you know if you put you put yourself in their shoes you look at you know what what's logical how would you want to be marketed to you know and, and more often than not you know just having that kind of approach to things you know in conjunction with the number like trusting the numbers and trusting what's working um, is generally what we recommend. You know, it's, it's don't do something that would annoy you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What sort of advice would you have for people who are just, you know, getting into the industry, right? They, they don't have sort of that data that, you know, a company uh, dispensary that's been around for, for X number of years, you know, what, what would you say to them, right? The, the sort of person who's just entering, you know, to, to, to help them in, in their marketing journey, which is, which is, I mean, just by this conversation, I mean, it's very complex. It's not just, you know, here's the ad, right? Yeah, it can. What we like to, we like to make sure like it's you know, like an iceberg or a duck, you know, they look really calm up top, but there's a lot going on underneath. Um, you know, for us, it's, we want to keep things as simple as possible. And we're able to um, all of this data and all this information is, you know, what we use internally to make, um, make a brand or dispensary's life super simple. Um, and so there's different services available. Like as far as like what I would recommend, um, it's test, ask questions, you know, don't be afraid, you know, ultimately, obviously my biased opinion is spent, you know, you've got to spend a little in order to understand what works and what doesn't, um, you know, so, and then, and then be quick, be quick to make decisions. Um, you know, if it's give it, be quick to make decisions, but ultimately understand that these, if marketing was like a, a surefire way to success, you know, then, um, everyone in the, everyone in the space would be, you know, printing money. Um, so <laughs> it's, you have to iterate, you have to continue to trust the process and, um, work, you know, we recommend working with different vendors and working across different channels and experimenting. And, you know, it doesn't always, you still have to go out there and, and um, be present, you know, and communicate like whether it's like other biz dev efforts as well. It's not, you know, it's not a, you can't just do one can't just have a website and hope people show up to it. You know, you've got to have some type of outreach and some type of methods and the more channels and the more presence you have, um, ultimately the more touch points with the consumer, it's the more likelihood that there those consumers are going to convert and, you know, making sure that you have a structure in place where you're able to identify what's working and what's not is kind of RMO and that we want to ensure that you understand that, every time that you communicate with a, with a consumer, that that's, that's an influence point. And so we want to make sure that we understand what is that path to purchase. So even if you've got a website, if you've got a, uh, a listing on Google or a social, you know, you're doing, you're tweeting or you have a, an Instagram page or a Facebook page, like every, every different touch point counts. And even when you start adding in your billboards and your, your prints and you're doing events or conferences, um, there's ways to measure the effects and the effectiveness 
of these different um, marketing components. So the more you can measure and the, the more you're able to understand what's working and what's not working, ultimately the, the better decisions you can make and relying on you know trusted and experienced companies will only make that easier for everyone. And then finally, I just want to ask you, you know, just sort of by your background, and, and you're you're a reasonably young guy, I reckon, uh, just <laughs> by pictures inside your voice. Um, it, what was the biggest challenge for you entering this industry and getting to understand the sort of nuances? Because, uh, you know, it, it's got to be a pretty different sort of gig than, than you've done in the past. Yeah, I mean... It's not, it's not, it's not as complex. So our, our last company, this is, you know, our third or fourth startup at this point, depending on how you look at it. Um, we've had some startups sold into other startups and I count those as separate startups, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so ev everything's complex in its own way, you know, no matter what you're running, <clears throat> excuse me we're running into different issues. Like when it was hunting and fishing, it's you, you can't, you can't advertise ammo and guns very easily um, on, you know, so dealing with compliance and dealing with these type of issues is, is I don't, maybe, maybe I, I, I'm, maybe I'm drawn to them, you know, these complex issues, but like Google still, I don't think accepts um, any advertisements for guns and ammo. So finding a, a, finding destinations and places where you can deliver those ads was very similar to what we had to do to, to start this business. Um, you know, and then when it's location data, location data is like a hot topic right now and the usage of it and, um, how it should be used in consumer privacy. And you have GDPR that started in Europe, uh, and CCPA in California and, and more regulation is coming, you know? So, um, there's so much, to me, like um, when people ask, you know, that question is not, it's not the first time we've got it, but ultimately cannabis, I don't really see to be as complex as HIPAA or CCPA or GDPR. Um, you know, there's, when you're making, when you're trying to, trying to find the consumer, when you've got access to billions of inventory and 240 million legal age consumers in the U S and infinite amount of creative possibilities to message them, um, Find, making that right combination is is the tough decision. You know, navigating the 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 states and you know the the handful of of different regulations that each state has is you know, albeit potentially manual. I know there's companies that are trying to automate this process in a more um, techno technological way, but it's not necessarily like our biggest issue right now. <laughs> it's we kind of we kind of say like what we say is compliance is a is a requirement not a feature. And so we, we want to make sure compliance is a standard and we, you know, as a, as a, as a league, as legal as it is, like we were, it's a legal requirement. So we're going to make sure that everything's compliant, but then it's not, doesn't equate to performance. And so we want to ensure that the performance is actually there and that's where it gets difficult, you know, guaranteeing performance and driving sales and visitation. And that's the biggest challenge for us. Man, this is really, you know, really interesting insight, man. You know, when, when we, and, and I really appreciate you coming on the show to, to really, I mean, dig into some of these issues. Um, where can people find out more about you, find out more about Surfside and your suite of offerings? 
Yeah, so um, websites, surfside.io is kind of the best place to reach us. Um, um, you know, you could always email us, uh, reach us out, reach us at, on Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, we're, we're very available, you know, so one of the things, you know, we're pride ourselves on is my emails, john at surfside.io. If you ever need anything, just <laughs> email me direct, you know, or shoot me a call. So um, we're happy to connect and, and talk about the industry and the business and consult, you know, just shoot the shit. So we're, <laughs> we're good. We're good either way. Uh, that's John Lowen. He's the co-founder of Surfside, a direct-to-consumer marketing firm uh, whose mission is to build an ecosystem of products that make consumer acquisition smarter, faster, and more engaging for modern brands. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Gontrepreneur.com podcast, man. Thank you. I appreciate it for having me. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. Find us on Spotify at Gontrepreneur Podcast. I've been your host, TG Brandfault. 